0: Welcome to the Pubcast, your inside look at electronic publishing, from ebooks to websites to podcasts and more. Join us as we interview the professionals on the cutting edge of publishing.
1: Hello, I'm Nicole Kempster, and today I'm interviewing Josh Hamill, an up and coming member of the electronic publishing industry. Hi, Josh. Thank you so much for joining me. Sure. Now, you work for Hypeable.com, is that correct?
0: I do. I also intern a PR company called Upon Strategies.
1: Excellent. Great. What do you do at both of those companies? Can you explain a little
0: bit? Yeah, at Hypable, I am the editor of the video game section, so I cover video game news I have two people working under me, and I kind of run our coverage of that. And at uh, Avant at Strategies, I'm an intern. So right now, I'm working on their website and helping run their social media platforms.
1: Excellent, great. What is Hyperbole.com?
0: Hyperbole.com is a general fandom news website. So we we cover anything in pop culture that generates a large fandom, it's ranging from Glee video games, as I mentioned, to Game of Thrones, to Sherlock. Anything that has a cult following and, and they love high people is what we cover.
1: Awesome. Great. So you've been working for the site for over a year. Has anything changed about the way you've had to set up or send in articles or, like, how you got promoted? You didn't come in as an editor, did you? Uh,
0: well, I actually kind of did because I, I started the video game coverage of the site. They were looking to start covering video games, and they hired me to do it. So for a while there, I was the only one working on it. So I was like a de facto editor, I guess you would say. I was my own editor. But in like the the year and a half to two years that I've been there, our front end has changed a lot. We went through a site redesign. So some things changed on the back end. But we're still a WordPress site. So a a lot of stuff was very similar, even when we went through the redesign.
1: Great. So that's the CMS you're using. It's WordPress. uh, Yeah, great. (laughs) Cool. So I know from our past conversations that you do a fair amount of search engine optimization and tagging. Has any has the way you approach that changed at all in your time? Type-able?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely gotten smarter with it. You know, this is my first kind of real kind of writing thing. Uh, and before I got the job, I didn't even know what SEO was. So I've definitely learned a lot. And it's helped me at Avant as well. Even as far as just, like optimizing your SEO, you know, not overusing keywords and trying to find that sweet spot where you put keywords in your article, you know, how you tag it, that sort of thing. You know, these past two years, I have learned a significant amount about, you know, writing online and how to allow people to actually find your content. Because it doesn't really matter if you're writing the best content in the world if no one reads it. So I, it's definitely been, like, I've definitely learned a lot, yeah. Good.
1: Excellent. So, You write articles about video games for other sites besides Hypeable, right?
0: Uh, A limited amount. Uh, Okay. It was more when I first started Hypeable, and I wasn't sure, you know, about the site and that sort of thing. I did some things for another site that's now defunct. actually. Hypeable is a lot better run than the other site. But, yeah, it mainly uh, stuck to just writing for Hypeable probably for the past year.
1: Okay. So would you say that a certain set of IT skills are necessary to be, like, freelance writer for the web? It certainly
0: helps. I mean, if you know, you know, the basics of HTML or these sort of things, I don't think that hurts. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's difficult to learn. I don't think everyone needs to be a full-blown engineer, you know, and know C++ and, you know, Java, and all these other languages, you know, to three minutes, right? Mm-hmm. But if you know some basics, it, it, it certainly makes you more attractive, yeah.
1: So do you know those basics?
0: I know some basics HTML. Yeah, that's pretty much what I can do. I can change the color of my font. <laughs> yeah, I know some, some basics, yeah.
1: Have you ever had a site, like, try and train you as far as SEO stuff, or is that just kind of something you do on your own?
0: When I first started, it was more of a just kind of learn on your own, but they've gotten a lot better, and, you know, we have maybe monthly, every two months, give have a call, and, you know, we have a... There's, like, 20 people writing for the site. So, you know, we all get together and we have a conference call. And the main editor of the site, the guy who started it up, you know, he goes over, you know, what we've been doing well in SEO, how we can improve, these sorts of things. Uh, and that's even something like having a Google Plus profile and becoming an authorized author because that helped SEO a lot. It's weird, but I guess not because it's self-promotion for Google. Awesome.
1: Do you guys or do you personally use Google Analytics at all?
0: We, I, I don't personally use it, but I know that they do, and they, they rely on more pertinent information to us.
1: I noticed that there's a featured section on the homepage. Do you ever try and aim to get a certain piece on the front lines like that, or when you do, is it just like a pleasant surprise?
0: What happens is those are the biggest readerships of the day, and it's very much a prestige thing to have it on there, I guess. You know, it's it's more of a pride uh, situation. And it's always good to have it on there because that means you're getting read on site because that feature section, it's more representative of who's reading this on our site. Okay. So while it's it's really nice to look at, we're very much more concerned with getting the outside influence, getting on Google and drawing in these new readers rather than, you know, there was 100 people that came to the site, 40 of them read your story, so you're number one. You know, it, it's not really necessarily representative of how big our audience is. It's more just a hey, that's a cool thing.
1: How often do you write a piece now for Hypable since you have two people working under you? I, I've
0: definitely lessened a little bit. It also just depends on the news of the day. You know, if it's a busy news day, I'll write more. If it's slow, I'll write less. But they've definitely started writing a little bit more than I have because I'm doing some more top level stuff and with Avant, you know, I'm busy there and working on their website as well. But I, I still do try to you know, contribute if you know, I see a story that hasn't been covered, that I think it's worth it.
1: Yeah, so talk a little bit about what you're doing for the website for Avant. You said you're working on their social media. Do you do any coding there? or Do you have any IT skills that you bring in to that?
0: I, I've I been a lot of experience with WordPress, which has helped them a lot because a lot of people there are actually kind of new to WordPress. Uh, so I actually ended up teaching them some stuff about the platform. But my job there is – Generally, I kind of curate content from the web because we are a PR agency. Yeah. I curate content, and I kind of post it up there. That's, that's pretty much my job there. And for social media, I just try to drive engagement up because that's the, that's the big metric that everyone wants right now is engagement with followers and this sort of thing.
1: So I've noticed that there are some articles on Hypeable where it's written by the Hypeable staff. Is that just, like, more than one member, or does that include the entire staff?
0: It uh, varies case by case. Uh, sometimes if it's more of a – if it's more talking to the audience, like, these are some changes to the staff, this sort of thing. But yeah, a lot of times that's more of a multiple people writing in, this sort of thing. I, I believe that also comes up along with another logo if we have, like, a guest writer. Because sometimes we have a section where readers can also submit their own work, and sometimes
1: that will be posted as well. Okay. So when you have an article that requires an image, as it looks like a lot of the articles do, do you so, – well, you're the editor, so you always pick the image. Do you have, like, a process for going about what kind of image you want or what quality it should be? Well,
0: you know, obviously if I try to find the best quality in – it, picking an image can actually be a little bit more difficult than it seems, especially if, you know, if it's the month before a game comes out and there's kind of a media blitz, you know, you're going to have multiple stories you want to reuse the same image every time. But my process is generally just going to the official site or I'll, you know, I'll contact someone at their PR agency and just uh, yes, doing an article and, you know, I'd like to get a, a screenshot or a new image or this sort of thing. It can also be difficult in games to reuse different images when it's a newly released game and there's one image, and that's always unfortunate. Because then you kind of get up to creative, and sometimes I'll use, like, a publisher logo or a sort of thing if I've already used the wall image.
1: Do you ever get worried about copyright? Do, do games ever go after people? If it's, like, a test run and someone takes a picture and it's before the game comes out, are, do you know about any, like, copyright things?
0: Most of the copyright stuff doesn't come from the publisher. A lot of times it comes from the sites that originally used the image which is why I try to stick to official photos, you know, on the official website sort of thing, because those are free to take. You know, they want you to take it. That's, covered. Right. But I I do try to, you know, and my scans of magazines will never use, because that's just not a good thing. And that can get you some copyright trouble, as well as just kind of unethical and, you know, it's kind of a bad move. It makes you look bad. It makes your site look a little tacky. So, you know, we try to stick to more reputable image sources.
1: Have you ever, know, have you heard of anyone from your industry or like even on your site that's had trouble with that?
0: Maybe not official copyright, but I have definitely seen multiple people being shamed on Twitter for stealing images. I see that maybe once every month or two is that, you know, someone from a big site will call out, you know, hey, you stole our image. Without crediting us. Because if you're going to steal, at least credit them. Yeah. I don't think anything official happens, at least not that ever comes to the surface. But there is definitely a, you know, an unwritten rule about it, and people are ashamed.
1: Have you ever had an article go viral or viral-ish?
0: Not too much, no. Unfortunately, I mean, I love that. It's difficult to do that, especially, you know, unless you have a, you know, a huge exclusive or an exclusive to a story. It's kind of difficult to do that just because of the way SEO works that the, the bigger sites always come up first. Yeah. So generally the ones that link to. I mean, we get a fair amount of, you know, links, people sharing our stuff via Twitter and this sort of thing, but having stuff go viral is very difficult unless you have, you know, the right story at the right time. You know, I just haven't had have the fortune, fortune to have it, you
1: know. Well, you probably will one day. I- Let's hope. <laughs> How do you think Hypeable is kind of adding to the discussion of these widely talked about franchises, so from like video games to TV shows with a cult following? How do you think they are kind of different from other sites? Well,
0: I, I think Hypeable flourishes as kind of a, a place for discussion. You know, you, you can go to Tumblr and, and find a lot of this stuff, but Hypeable acts as kind of a, a centralization agent and where you can get all of your cult shows in one place. You know, you don't have to follow 30 different Tumblr accounts. You don't have to follow 30 different Pinterest users to get this, you know. Uh, yeah. I think it acts in a very good way. as a central point for people to come and get all the news that they want. And obviously there are a lot of people doing that. But we're all big. At High people you don't write about a subject you don't love. You know, so we're all fans. So, you know, when something big happens, we're just as excited as everyone else is in the fandom. So I think also, out a personal touch, we know what we're talking about. You know, we're we're very authoritative on our respective fandoms that we write about.
1: Do you see yourself working on the Hypeable staff for, like, a long time then?
0: I, I, I feel like I've already been there a while. I mean, you know, two years is a, a long time for me, at least. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I've already... You know, I'm already kind of a senior staff member there. You know, I don't know if future holds, you know. It depends on, you know, when I get out of college and this sort of thing, you know, and what I can find after. But I definitely don't hate writing for it. You know, it's a, it's a good website, and, you know, I like writing for it, and I like being there. So
1: How do you balance, you're still in school, so how do you balance school and an internship now and being an editor? Is it hard sometimes, or does it come pretty naturally for you?
0: It can be difficult only because of the way times work out. Like, the bane of my existence is when when a big story breaks when I'm in the middle of class and I can't get my laptop or this sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I see it on Twitter on my phone or something, and all I want to do is for the class to end. (laughs) Or, you know, like, when I'm at my internship and I'm, you know, I'm working on their site and I see a big story break and I'm like, I really hope someone is getting this because (laughs) otherwise I'm going to be mad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it can be difficult for sure, but you know, it's a lot of fun and I enjoy it.
1: Yeah, speaking of like big things happening, like there's been like some pretty serious stuff. I only know like from your tweets LucasArts closed and stuff yeah. like that. Why do you think these kinds of things are happening at this time? Like, what's going on in the video game world where this is happening?
0: Well, this current console generation consisting of the PlayStation three and Xbox 360 is coming to a close. The PlayStation four was just announced last month. The next Xbox announced before e E3 in June this year. And the entire industry is kind of in a state of transition at this point. Sales are down year over year and they have been consistently for the past few years. But then if there's just kind of console fatigue, people are kind of tired of what's the current, what the current offering is. Right. And, you know, I, I think it comes from a mixture of sales going down you know and games getting more expensive to make right? generation transitions are very difficult, and a lot of people forget this because a lot of the current gamers haven't been through this before. A lot of people have said, why do we need new consoles when they don't realize that you know this happens before this will always happen so it's kind of a new thing all over again. you know it's a difficult thing not a lot of people in the industry have necessarily been through. And it's a rough time for, for publishers, for developers. And hopefully, you know, team new consoles announced, and everyone's excited, it'll be another boom time. But the video game industry is certainly in a state of flux, and even the biggest companies are struggling, you know? And even the culture right now. Uh, you know, there's been a big pushback about this, this stereotype as a guy gamer. You know, there's been a big push for equality, in feminism in games, and I think it's a causative movement, but it is tough to summon for some people, you know it, for, for the longest time, gaming has very much been an ostracized platform where, you know people went to escape and it's seen as, as a boy's thing and that's kind of how the culture developed but, you know, 50% of the gamers are girls, 20% of hardcore gamers are women the culture is in a state of flux, the industry in general is in a state of flux
1: Yeah, I had never really thought about that, that just because the video games and, like, the technology industry is such, like, a young thing that people haven't really gone through this before because it is such a generational transition.
0: I mean, mobile gaming and, you know, social and casual gaming, that's taking a lot of money out of the the big maker market, you know? Facebook alone is probably, you know, taking billions of dollars out of the big publishers' pockets because people are playing those games instead of, you know, the new Call of Duty or what have you.
1: Yeah, I know you're a big advocate for the indie game. What do you think the impact of a good indie game can be? And is that, like, maybe the future of video games outside of the mainstream consoles? Well, I
0: think indie games are the future because just because of the the expense that these big AAA titles are, you know, are taking for the publisher. You know, they're becoming more and more expensive, and it's becoming, you know, it's taking hundreds of employees to make that. I mean it takes two years. You know, and that, that's an expensive and it's long term. So I think indie games will only be more. And that's where the innovation where the innovation goes. You know? Big publishers they want to stick to what's familiar because that's what makes money. You know, they don't want to take too many risks because that's scary. They don't know if they're gonna make money on it. So really we where you're seeing the most innovative things are in the indie game platform, and I think that's only going to continue, especially when the PlayStation 4 was announced. Sony made a concerted effort to reach out to indie game developers, you know, and they're getting just as much power as the big guys are.
1: Very cool. That's awesome. As a video game journalist, how do you want to impact the industry, or do you want to impact the industry, or would you rather be kind of like a silent observer? Well, not a silent
0: observer, but an observer. I think it's difficult to impact the industry from where I am at. You know, I, I'm I'm not a major player in the industry. Do you want to be? Because, I mean, I love to be. You know, don't get me wrong. I, it's very difficult where I'm at right now. Uh, yeah. But I, I've we're, how I want to influence the industry is I want to influence my audience to go to the games I love. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm very big for if I like a game, I will be sure to advocate it when I, when I write, you know, if I podcast this sort of thing. You know, especially any game developers, you know, out to a few and I've had you know good talks and good interviews and I you know I've gotten some exposure that they otherwise might not have gotten
1: there's so many games out constantly especially bigger games are coming out right now like we just had like BioShock Infinite do you ever encounter like problems of overload like where there's too many games to play and too much information overload and how do you combat that oh
0: yeah no that's there, definitely that and I, it's a problem with the industry in the way that it releases games. Because the industry really only releases games about twice a year, and that's in January through March, and then October through November uh, is where all the big games are released. And during those times, you know, it's very difficult to keep up, and those are ex- those can be expensive months, you know, if you want to play some games. But those are also the most exciting months because the in-between time can be very dull. You know, but though, and you have to kind of search for, you know, smaller indie games that are doing cool things because there aren't these big marketed pushes for these monster games. Timing is a weird thing because you're very busy or you're not busy at all in the industry.
1: Right now in my class, we're reading this book called The Information Diet, and the author, Clay Johnson, compares the intake of information to the intake of food. And saying that, like, we should be more careful of what we consume lest we become obese and unhealthy in our habits. So do you think it's possible to work in your industry and consume information carefully, or is overconsumption kind of like a job hazard?
0: I think it's difficult to avoid because I'm always trying to get everything The way you can do that is you pick your sources, you know, you you pick where you go to for news, you pick where you go, you pick people you trust to deliver the, you know, healthy information, more so than, you know, the not healthy information.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So like no news from YouTube comments.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I think it's picking your sources. You know, I for the most part, you know, I, I avoid like you know the Gawker sites and these sort of things. And I think they have a place. Don't get me wrong, uh-huh. Gawker's a very successful company, and their gaming their gaming outlet Kotaku, it's plenty of stories, and I think they're good for the industry. But you know, they also have to publish a story every twenty minutes. You know, and that's difficult, and that leads to some bad stories. So I, I'm definitely choosing of where I go to in my free time and who I want to read. Yeah.
1: Are you working on any particular projects right now? You're working on the site for your internship, but are you working on anything bigger outside of either of those?
0: Uh, outside of them, no, not really. I don't really have time to do a lot of. That. I'm, you know, I'm revamping Avant's website and social media platform right now. I'm, you know, I'm giving them recommendations and. Helping them through that process. Right. Uh, So that's taking up a lot of my time right now. And, you know, E3 is coming up in eight weeks, you Mm -hmm. know, for high school, and that's going to be a very busy time. So, yeah, nothing really outside of those two at the moment. Are you going to E3? Unfortunately, I can't this year uh, because I am taking a class in the summer. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's really sad. Especially because, like, this E3 is the one you want to go to because everything's being announced, everything is being revealed. So it'll, it's going to be very painful to sit at home and watch this year. <laughs>
1: well, I'm very sorry for your loss. Me too. You can be typing up stories, though, while everyone else is out doing stuff.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah exactly. There you go.
1: <laughs> the jump on things. Have you ever considered filming yourself play video games and, like, posting on YouTube? Have you ever thought about that?
0: There's a there's an entire set of people in the game industry that love doing that. Sites like Twitch, Ustream, you can live stream video games for people and talk over them and have a running commentary and interact with people while you're playing. And in fact, this is becoming such a big thing in the industry that Sony's, Sony's next console, they have a specific button on the, of the controller that is a share button that mm-hmm. will stream your gameplay on your console to Ustream. Live. I, I've never done it just because I don't really have the equipment to do it. But it's something that I really want to do, and I think is becoming a very influential force in industry. And something that if people want to do work in this industry, that they kind of need to do.
1: What kind of equipment does that take? You say you don't have the equipment. Is it just like what do people use? Well, it's more
0: it's more my internet connection. I, I have a fine downstream, but the upstream is fairly horrible where I live, uh. Uh, which. Wouldn't do so great on that. So I would kind of just up my internet connection to do it, make it an pleasurable uh, experience for all involved. <laughs> that's
1: rough. That's rough. Okay. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah, of course. And that's all she wrote.
0: This has been the Pubcast. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at www.thepubcast.org.